Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Ario, a board game designer from Dallas, Texas. His newest game, Dino Dodge, is a light family strategy game of pushing your friends into lava while dodging exploding meteors. It's currently on Kickstarter. Ario, welcome to the binge. How are you doing? Hey, James, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great having you on the podcast, man. You've got quite a robust background, man. Like when I was reading your bio, oh gosh, just a couple of things like, yeah, like you're a musician, you're an author, you're a voice actor, you're into e-commerce. Like, my God, how do you have time to even do board games? Well, uh, you know, you go so far in each one and then you go further in some others, right? So um yeah, no, I definitely. And uh, I can just start off there if you'd like. Um, yeah. I, uh, like what do you I, play? Um, well, I play, uh, I play basically everything, but my, my core instruments are guitar. So nice. I had a guitar when I was 13 years old and I've been playing since and I'm 31. So, so quite a bit of time there. Uh, I've played bass guitar and then I also play drums. So basically those are my core three. Wow. I have a keyboard also. And then I've got a ukulele or a ukulele. Uh, as they say in Hawaii, I have one of those as well. And I, I love instruments. So I just collect as many as I can and I'm self-taught. So I've just taught myself how to play them all. Uh, and then I teach other people as I've learned through time. Um, right. Are you music. in a band or anything or like, are you like, or maybe a one man band where you can just kind of mix your own arrangements with all those different things and the technology we have nowadays? Yeah. So I'm a one man band essentially. Yeah. So I write music. I wrote music for Dino Dodge and um, I, I do a bunch of instrumental music, so I'm not a singer, you know, so I'm always love teaming up with other people, anybody who does instruments or have an idea, if there's some way to merge the two together, uh, I'm all about that, I'm all about the juice of the creativity, working with others, working solo, so, so yeah, especially with technology, I've got Pro Tools here, and so I do a lot of recording on, on that software, um, and uh, just a lot of writing in my head, and then just putting it in, putting into the system. So what kind of uh, voice acting do you do? Like, is this for commercials? Is this more for like corporate videos? Like, what is it you do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I did it also. I did some while I was at my current position where I work okay. in the corporate office. So I was doing some voice acting there for some of their videos that they had on their internal sites. And then yeah. I went more to the commercial side where I would basically get, you know, requests to do videos for commercials, right? So for commercials, um, Kickstarter videos. I did the Kickstarter video with um, actually Blue Gear Games before we worked on this game together. That's actually how we met was we met in a designer group and then I told them about my voice acting and I did the voice acting for their Kickstarter video. So, so I also do a lot of public speaking. So I got fortunate to have a natural voice and, you know, I'm able to communicate. So I just started offering that talent to people who needed it. Oh, cool. uh, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, people picked me up on it. So, and then that connected you into blue. Did you know blue gear games before? How were you kind of connected to them? Obviously with, you know, Dino Dodge, but did you have some other connection with these guys? Yeah. So basically I found them through a local uh, designer group. So this was a board gaming group. Yeah. So I was at a board gaming group and uh, I was at a time where I was like, I need to be around some creative people. And uh, you know, this is what I want to, you know, do have my foot forward in. And uh, I met them at the group. They had their game at the time, uh, their flagship game, um, Knights of Glory. And uh, I, uh, I I met him on that. I kind of liked what they were doing. And I said, hey, you know, we should stay in touch. And, uh, you know, I do voice acting. So if you want to, you know, help, if you want help with your Kickstarter, I can help do the video. And then from there, I ended up 
doing the video, but that was the first connection, like how we met. And then we kind of went dormant for a year and then we, we rekindled uh, the relationship later uh, to do Dino Dodge. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was really crazy. And then this whole thing with um, the e-commerce and things like that, can talk to me, like, what are you doing in e-commerce? Like, what is this? Yeah, definitely. I'm a web analyst. So okay. basically I do analytics for e-commerce companies. Uh, so I manage all of our data, make sure it's getting set up correctly, make sure that we can use it uh, and actually use it. Right. So we do a lot. Of, I do a lot of insights and, yeah. and analytics. Right. So yeah. um, I use Google Analytics. That's a big one. I'm sure a lot of people in the board game industry know Google Analytics because uh, it's free and you can hook sure. it up to, you know, your Kickstarter and things like that. Uh, but, you know, basically suites like that I handle um, involve SQL, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of a lot of just crunching. I'm in Excel all the time. I'm reviewing uh, e-commerce business. So I have a big background in retail. So I work in retail e-commerce, James. And uh, as you as you might know from seeing some of the Kickstarters, you know, these uh, these businesses have an ebb and flow and up and down a hot oh, season yeah. and a cool season. Right. Maybe in the Kickstarter, it's more of the slump that you have in the middle or yeah. in e-commerce. It's kind of like when you're not on holiday, that's your slump. Mm. So you're doing everything <laughs> you can to find a promotion or explain why your sales are not performing to your forecast, et cetera. So fortunately, through that, I was able to like take a lot of things that I've learned and apply it to the Kickstarter in appropriate yeah. areas, right? And not oh, everything's course, a one-to-one, yeah. -one, but, uh, and it's a slightly different industry, but I also worked at GameStop uh, at their corporate office for about two years. And, uh, you know, I learned quite a bit about, you know, gaming retail and stuff like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. So I read in your bio also that you're creating like games for like corporate events or something. Like what yeah. was that? What was that all about? Yeah. So that's how I started, man. So like I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been in the corporate, you know, world, since I started working, you know, outside out of university. So I, I graduated from university in Austin and then um, I needed a job and I ended up at Hilton at their corporate headquarters. So I have mm -hmm. one here in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I wasn't doing anything fancy for them, James. I was just doing system support and, uh, you know, I, I was coming in doing my thing, you know, moving up and I was just going crazy as, you know, I was like, man, I got a degree. I'm not really doing anything with my brain here. You know, how can I, how can I change corporate team members? You know, how can I move up? How can we go? I do something different. And uh, at the time they had some guy on the team had started coding. So he started coding in .NET, which is a coding language. And uh, he was creating, you know, basically uh, automated tools or automated robots to process forms. We were doing like form processing. So a hotel okay. would send us a form and we'd go ahead and just say, hey, the hotel wants this rate loaded and they want it for this many days and we need to give it this ID number so this company can pick it up, for example. So we wouldn't manually put these in, process hundreds of forms a day. He figured out a way to start coding them and then basically automate some of these and they would do hundreds a day, this machine by itself, right? So. Mm -hmm. They said, figure it out. And, uh, you know, you can stop doing the repetitive stuff. So long story short, I start learning .NET. And then I'm like, hey, man, it would be really cool if I made a video game. I love making games. Like, why don't I figure out a way to make a game here? And so for the next, like, two years, I did. That's what I figured out, tried, you know, to do was I started making my own game in .NET. And if you're familiar with .NET, it's just like... Um, it's like a, it, it's called Visual Basic. So it's like the first, yeah. one of the first coding languages. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, we were using that. So I was using .NET and they have like these Windows forms, which is just like, you know, a little app form you might see yeah. that pops up in a browser. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're familiar. So well, um, 
adjacent familiar. I, I've okay. read about stuff, but I've never done any of the actual hardcore programming except for in like basic back when I was a kid, right? No, no, but that perfect though. You know, you yeah. know the the general idea. And so uh, that, yeah. I, yeah. So I had this Windows form and I would just code in there and I'd upload images, you know, for the games that I was trying to make. And and I just did this trial and error of like I would try to pitch a game and then I'd get shot down for something you know I didn't know. And so I said, okay, I gotta go back to this. So I remember I had to go back to the drawing board like for a whole year because they didn't like it. And I was like, I got to do another approach here. So anyways, like year two, I figured out a way. I said, I'm going to basically marry the issues that the team is having with the solution. And the team, the problem was, is that the team wasn't engaged. So leadership was like, our team isn't engaged. And rightfully so. I mean, these people were processing repetitive tasks. Their, their minds weren't used. So yeah. we needed to find a way to get engaged. So I said, I'm going to make a video game that converts all the work that you do into experience points and rewards. And you, all you have to do is work. And that's how you play the game. After you've done so many work, you just click a button, it uploads all your experience, and then you get rewards for doing that. And then there's an in-game mode in here. So you had like a pet and you and your pet would bond over time. Every like 10 levels, you might get a new color for your pet or something like that. So you could paint them a different color or something. Uh, and then I had created this um, basically like a community game. So everybody in the game had to do so much work a day, and then you would get this currency in the game and uh, it could then converted to food. So like another, another little mechanic here, and you'd feed the boss to put him to sleep. So there'd be an in-game boss. And if you guys all fed him enough for that week, then he'd go to sleep and there's like a treasure tour behind him. And then you could go inside and get your treasures for the week. But it was all contingent upon everybody doing whatever leadership had deemed, you know, the forecast for volume for that week. So um, everybody was doing it all the time. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, we'll make this game. You can all do it. And uh, it puts the boss to sleep. You go in, you get your treasures. And some of the treasures were like time off work. So um, I know this is a long-winded way. But that's this, okay. You've gamified uh, somebody's job. This is crazy. Gamified. Yes, sir. That was, <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically that was, that was the gist of it. And I worked on that for about two years and I, I just, you know, the first year and a half, uh, you know, I did it just in my outside of work, you know, I was just like working on it. I was like, how can I make this happen? And I pitched it to the VP at the time and um, you know, more co most corporate office offices are hierarchical. So once he sure. agreed, I was able to, to get it in. And uh, then I got to work at it at the office. So I developed it there. I did uh, the story for it. So I wrote the story. Uh, I did the animation. Animation is on .NET. I don't recommend doing that. Um, it's a bunch of time, wait timers and things like that. So I learned yeah. all this, you know, because I wanted to make a game. I wanted to make this thing happen. And so I was just like, you know, I've got plenty of resources, you know, in, in the world available to me. So I went out and like I said, I did the story, I did the production, I did the coding. Um, I got friends to do the art or used, um, you know, free art and, uh, and then uh, put the artist's name in the description and shared it with them. Um, and then I did the voice acting for it as well. There were some characters to like teach the tutorial, the story. And then, uh, like I said, we hooked up to some SQL tables in order to get the data so that we know you were working and, um, yeah, man. So that was for my department. So I put it out for my department. So it was a small group of people who were actually using it. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was my first venture there. And that's when I, I got a taste of the sweet stuff. And uh, I, had to, I had to keep making games. Did you sell it or was this just for self-satisfaction? Like what was the, obviously well, I, it'd be a lot of satisfaction creating something like this, but I mean, I got to think something that could potentially increase productivity probably has value. Exactly. Yeah. So great. <laughs> this is a great question. So yeah. 
because I worked at the company, I they owned the product off the get-go, right? And so I was using company computer to make it. So I already knew that was the way to go. So my my position was, hey, you know, I'm gonna grow and learn from this. And so I can always take those talents. Uh, I guess the South Beach, no, sorry, the LeBron James joke popped in my head. No, but I could always take those talents like somewhere else, right? So that I already knew that going in. But what I did, you know, get out of it, obviously, from the experience was the ability to do that during my work. So essentially getting paid to, you know, work on this game for, you know, the next six months, you know, while I was there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was doing it during the day. I didn't have to do it at night anymore. And, uh, you know, I was looking for more opportunity within the company. I said, hey, I want to break through. I want to do this. I had some other programs with music. Like I had started a band at the company. Um, I was just looking for any way, James, that I could kind of like, okay, is this door open a little? Is this one open? I want to do this. Try this. So. Uh, the gaming one was the one that was open at the time. And then the company didn't really have any interest. My VP at the time had moved onto another, another department. And then, uh, you know, I don't think they liked the idea of somebody making games with their free time at work. <laughs> what, what I liked though, that you said was that you've, you're, you're kicking uh, open as many doors as you possibly can. Right. And seeing which ones you want to walk through. Mm-hmm. And this is a lesson for even life, right? So people that are either, you know, if it's a kid trying to figure out what they want to do, uh, you know, in their future, try as many different things as you can. You never yeah. know what you're going to, what you're going to enjoy what you're going to be passionate about until you actually start walking through doors. Uh, so that, that's pretty cool that you did that. How did that then transition into this idea of Dino Dodge? Like where did Dino Dodge come from? How did that start? Yeah, definitely. So like, you know, in between there, there's, there's pain of not doing what I want to do. So that, that, sure. pers- you know, forces me to then go down more of this, uh, you know, designing path. Dino Dodge was another, it was, was really interesting. And so, uh, you know, fast forward, I leave Hilton because I, you know, I want to get into this industry. I want to do more of these creative things that I'm doing. Um, and then, you know, not just get paid for it, but do it the way, you know, I want to do it, team up with people who want to do it also, and really go on an adventure here. So I leave and, uh, I end up at, you know, GameStop, great experience. I do a game there also, Fast forward, I go to Pier One, and I'm just not happy at this company, another corporate company. And uh, you know, great group of people. I just wasn't, you know, doing what I love to do. And so I said, I gotta, I gotta change. You know, if something's gotta change, it's gotta be me, right? If the outside's not changing, I'll sure. change. And uh, so I said, okay, let's add a discipline. So I added discipline to my life where I just, for 20 to 30 minutes uh, a day, James, I would just write down game ideas. And so I would just, just whatever, some theme ideas, right? Like you That's know. Cool brushing crocodile teeth, you know, unicorn racing, I don't know, whatever, whatever silly, you know, stupid idea that came to my mind. I just wrote it down. So for the exercise, and I did that for about 60 days. And, uh, you know, I had a bunch of ideas at this point and, uh, I, uh, I got reached out to by Lynn at Blue Gear Games. So Blue Gear Games is the, you know, the guys I've teamed up with to publish Dino Dodge here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, as you know, we kind of went dormant on the relationship uh, after their Kickstarter and did the voice acting. And he texts me out of the blue saying, Hey, you know, we're going to be, uh, at uh, madness, which is our local board game shop. If you want to come by and play some games. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And James, I'm an only child. I don't have anybody here to play games. So when I make games, I'm in a definite bubble here. So I'm, sure. there's a, there's a big buildup to where I create something and then I release it on the public, kind of similar to what I did with the video game in Hilton. Yeah. Uh, and so have, so when he told me, hey, come by, I said, I'm gonna use this to make a game and show it to you and then try it on you and your family, right? Because I, I knew the audience who was gonna be there. So I knew he has a daughter, you know, Lynn's about uh, 15 years older than me. He's got a brother that's my age. He's got a friend who's more around his age. He's got a wife, you know, so there was gonna be an eclectic, 
group at that table. And I wanted us to all have a good time. And sure. I wanted to play a game that I wanted to play and that anybody could have a chance at winning. Right. Like, but that, that was, that was kind of the, the vibe that I knew I had. Okay. And I wanted to be quick. I wanted to take super long and so much so many rules and people are difficult to understand. So I said, okay, I've got my audience. I know what I need to make. And I've got three days. So I went through my list and uh, I just picked like ideas that I really liked. And the idea that I really liked was um, actually not dinosaur themed at the time. So hmm. the idea that I picked was pushing your friends under acid rain clouds. And so that was the theme that, that I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. You just push your friends, you know? So it was all in fun and games. And so I had, you know, I had theorized in my head, hey, like, this is how I want it to play. It's going to slowly like the, you know, everything is going to be kind of falling in on itself. So the game will, will play itself out, right? So eventually there'll be one player left standing and you're going to have so many cards and those cards would be enough for five players. I want to have five players. So I kind of visualized, you know, the whole thing in my head, um, you know, just in a, in an adrenaline rush of like, and pressure of just trying to make sure that I had something that I wanted on Friday. Yeah. And, uh, and so I did, and I showed it up to them and, uh, you know, within like three weeks, we kind of decided it was a dinosaur. It was going to be dinosaurs. I love the dinosaurs always be paleontologists. I wanted to be yeah, a paleontologist yeah. as a kid. So, uh, it was, it was just, and it was just a better fit thematically, you know, we wanted this to be more family game. And so we didn't want anybody who, you know, needs to explain to their kid, you know, acid rain clouds, you know, at the, at the game table. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's cool to see that. So it's almost like you had kind of like the mechanics and like a loose theme set up first, mm -hmm. got the mechanics kind of ironed out and then reskinned it. Yeah. Your own game basically. Right. Is essentially what you did. Yeah. We developed it from there. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, I had the similar, um, thing happened with our game hamsters versus hippos originally it was uh it was going to be uh hippos versus hares it was gonna be hippos versus bunnies and then we had this idea of them jumping on across this pond and we're like bunnies are kind of heavy uh on um on lily pads but maybe hamster something small would kind of be able to stay uh -huh. on a lily pad on water right and then okay. you have the double alliteration of you know hippos and hamsters so it's interesting how sometimes you can kind of have a loose idea, uh, anchor it down in terms of the mechanics of the game. And then once you have that solid, then revisit the theme and say, okay, is this the right theme or can we, can we rejig this a little bit? Right. And, uh, Definitely. sounds like uh, you're right in the zone on that. Can you walk our audience through how to play, uh, down dodge, just basically the essence of this game. I have it up on my screen here for people that um, are watching either on the replay or watching live. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you said it at the beginning, it's a light family strategy game. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be two to five players. Uh, you're going to play as dinosaurs. You're going to be dodging these falling meteors from the sky. So basically you're going to start out with um, cards in your hand. Your dinosaur is going to occupy one of eight land tiles, James. And so basically mm -hmm. these tiles are going to be placed in a circle, kind of like the earth. And then above them are going to be meteors that are going to fall onto those tiles. If you're underneath a meteor, when it's blowing up, when it says boom, and you can't get out, without a card, then you're gonna be eliminated from the game. Uh, so as, uh, as time goes on, a, a round of Dino Dodge is basically played like this. One person is gonna have a token and it's basically gonna be their turn to play as many cards as they want. They're also gonna take a meteor and add it to the board. Um, meteors are gonna start on their ticker and they're gonna slowly count down. So you're gonna see when a meteor falls. So it's not necessarily gonna fall that round. You do that um, by rotating the card, right? That's correct. Yes, yeah. you rotate the card. So they always start on their highest axis, either three, two, or one. And then each round, they're going to rotate down when they get to the boom text. That's when you got to get out. 
So um, uh, if you can't, you're going to be dead. Uh, after people play their cards or the person plays their cards on their turn, then we're going to go into the sky is falling phase. At that phase, you just rotate all the meteors. Anybody who's playing chicken with a meteor will get a chance to draw a card. And then, uh, you know, we, we, we like that, the, the, meteor, the chicken with the meteor place. It also helps, you know, in case you're getting bullied around that you're getting some resources for being pushed. Um, uh, and then what we do right after that, it's really simple. If we just do a boom check, is any meteor blowing up? If a meteor is blowing up, then basically what happens is all the players that are underneath are going to have an opportunity to escape in a single action. And an action is a, a use of their cards, okay? Uh, if they cannot get out, then they're immediately eliminated from the game. Um, if everybody can, then what happens is the meteor impact, hence turning, uh, turning the crown into lava, which yeah. is another dangerous threat in certain situations. Situations, And then you'll pass the token to the player on the left and you'll you'll continue that waterfall around uh, all the way down again. And you'll do this until there's one dinosaur left. Oh, that's cool. This is almost like um, musical chairs. Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. it, it, it feels very much like musical chairs, which is good because there's familiarity with the concept of musical chairs. I think most people get that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it seems like it's something fairly easy to explain. Like, I mean, you just explained it there in like two minutes. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, but you've kind of added some complexity to the game as well. And I can see that through even some of the pledge levels, you've got like a regular pledge level. I think there's a deluxe. And then I think, is there like a, like a super duper pledge or what? yeah, what's like the third one? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think it's important to note uh, for the people listening that uh, you've already hit your goal, right? So you guys, yeah. I think I'll put in Canadian dollars because that's the only way I can see it. And it's oh, sure. too. But it, I think you're at like a, just around $10,000 was your goal. Uh, you guys have crossed, I think almost $21,000 now Canadian. Oh, wow. And uh, how many days you guys got left in your campaign? We got three days left, so we're cutting out All on right. Thursday. So you're now heading into your back end hockey stick, right? So everybody knows Correct. the last 72 hours is when your pledges hockey stick back up. So uh, I'm sure you guys are going to land somewhere that's going to be um, quite a bit higher than your goal, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be quite happy with where you land. Is that uh, is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, a vet, we're already very happy, James. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very grateful. And, uh, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like have simmered the excitement down a little because we still have 72 days. So I want to like get through the campaign. You know, I don't want to be uh, my boss used to have a great phrase and he would say, pour the champagne back into the bottle. You know, like <laughs> I'm <laughs> so, going to steal uh, that. That's good. I yeah, that's it. hilarious, man. Right. So, uh, you know, we'd say it at meetings. So but yeah, so uh, we're, we're almost there, but no, I'm, uh, I can't tell you how excited I am, James. And this is our second time around. So we did a Kickstarter for this last year. We yeah. did not fund. And so we took our learnings back around and, and it's really, um, it's really rewarding to see where we've come and um, that, that the decisions we made produced the results that we all wanted. What were some of the learnings you had? Like I always get interested and I, and I noticed that yeah. uh, Mike Bruner, for instance, who's also our... Um, on our team here as a producer, uh, he, that's how he and I actually connected with his first game, uh, didn't fund the first time around. Then when he relaunched, it came back uh, bigger and, and better and, uh, and, and crush his funding goal. Right. So I always love to hear those stories of the people dusting themselves off and, and going back at it. What were some of the key learnings uh, that you had coming off of that uh, first uh, attempt? Yeah. I think the biggest one is marketing. And uh, I mean, it's it's kind of the one that none of us really wanted to do. You know, we want to make games, <laughs> right? But it was uh, it was very evident uh, that marketing was you know something we really needed to understand and make sure that we were doing, or at least try to do better. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of that is it's not being bashful about your game. You know, when you have a campaign, you know, it's uh, the floor is yours. You need to 
tell people about it and share about it. And it's not always our natural inclination to do that, especially with our friends. We don't yeah. want to shove anything down anybody's throat. So uh, you have to you have to adopt the the perspective that suits you in order to take that next foot forward. You know, for me, it was hey, making my my friends and family, making anybody in the board game community aware of what we're doing, how I want this to happen, and how much you know of our heart and soul we put into this game, and that we really yeah. value that feedback. And so, you know, communicating that to them and saying, hey, go check out our, our thing and knowing that in mind, you know, that was the piece of the puzzle, like to put the heart and the brain together, so to say, right. And say, hey, yeah. you know what, we got to go, we got to go talk to people, tell them about our game. It's okay. If they don't like it, no problem. But the people who want this game, they're not going to know unless we tell them. Right. So that's so fair. A bit of psychology, you know, you know, and I hear this a lot. Like, I think it's probably one of the hardest things to do as a, as a game designer, publisher, developer is to put yourself out there, right? And I'm I'm still shocked. And there's been a few of them that I've talked to uh, on the podcast even where they've said, well, I don't like to kind of put myself out there. I don't want to, you know, I don't really want to show my face. And it's like, mm. whoa, like, I mean, that that is the way <laughs> in the indie uh, space to get people behind your game and your concept, right? Is to say, this is something I came up with. Right. I'm just a little guy. I'm not a big company. I'm just one dude. Right. That came up with this game. And I happen to think it's good. And I think other people like it too. Yeah. Um, but if you're not even willing to do that, it's very, very tough to get ahead. Right. And, uh, you know, so I think the fact that you recognize that is good. Uh, the second thing is how often people are afraid to ask for the order. Right. And that gets back to the old sales adage. Right. Is like, oh, the order. Yeah. Yeah. Ask, ask for the order. Yeah. Right. Will you buy this? You know, can I have your order today, please? Right. This is my game. Do you guys like family games? Yes. Do you like games that are quick? Yes. Do you like games that aren't too expensive? Yes. Do you like games that maybe give you some exclusives you can't get anywhere else? Yes. Well, hey, I got the game for you. Can I count on your pledge today? Yeah. Right. Like it. that. It's as simple as asking for the pledge. You'd be shocked how many times either A, asking for somebody for a pledge, they'll give you a pledge. Or secondly, asking people for help. Right. There's yeah. a number of times I've just asked people for help. And there's no reason why they should help me. Right. They are way too busy to be helping a guy like me, but it amazes me how many times just by asking the number of times you'll get people saying yes, because yeah. they want to help. Right. People like to help other people. So, you know, I think that if you can get and anybody listening, if you have a game of your own that you're working on, if you can get past that and stop being afraid to ask, you'll be amazed at what's going to come back. And then hopefully you'll pay it forward to others. Yeah. Right. When others are coming looking for help and you've made it, maybe you can be that guy to help other people, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the answer is always no if you don't ask. Oh, yeah. As, right, I'm, so. I'm Canadian, so of course I'm going to quote Wayne Gretzky, who uh, <laughs> you know, is famous for saying you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's that was cool. his famous saying. One thing I saw on your, your page, which I really liked, is this mm -hmm. idea, and it's, you might not even realize it because it's just a small little almost thumbnail size in, in the page, but you got three volcanoes. Yeah. And it illustrates what this game is about. So you've got kind of the slider for strategy between strategy and luck. You know, it's kind of kind of halfway between. You've got family and gamers, and it's kind of lean more towards family. Quick game, long game, and it's is lean towards quick games. With three quick icons, uh, it's very, very clear to people uh, what they can expect with a game like this. And and I think it's I think that's good too. Is when I, I we use this uh, with our company, Tin Rollback Games, unapologetically huh? casual. Okay. Right. 
And I think sometimes people will take a casual game and try to like be afraid to admit that it's casual and they try to dress it up to make it sound like it's more than it is. Sure. Because I think there's this belief in Kickstarter that unless the game is complicated or unless the game is, is medium weight, you're not going to get the backers. But I, I do that believe there's enough people out there uh, that A, know other people who aren't gamers that they might want to buy a game for or sit down and play with or might be looking for a game to start a game night with looking for a game to end a game night with looking for a game where you have some kids come and join the table and you don't want the kids to leave crying because they can't you know play this complicated <laughs> game you want something you can pull it quick that everybody's got a chance right so right. for me i definitely think there's an area in the in the industry for these types of games and i love it when people are not afraid to stand up and say that this is exactly what this game is and you well, know, that was our yeah that was our thing the first time james you know back to your original question is what yeah. we had learned and we weren't clear we, you know we were like we're a little of this, but we have all these add-ons. And so we appeal to the gamer in you and we appeal to the family and we, so we were way too soft on who, we, we were so scared of hearing no that we wanted to hear all the yeses. That's all it was. We wanted to appeal to everybody. But the yeah. fact is, is that nothing appeals to everybody. That's no. why it appeals to the people that want it, right? It's just kind of, it's just a fact of life. So, you know, on this time, we just said, hey, we're putting a foot on the pedal. We're a light family strategy card game, right? And then this is this is who we appeal to. We appeal to the gamer in the family who wants to play with the rest of the people at the table who don't get it, right? Yeah. So the gamer can, be, can, can get some juice out of the game as well if they want to, but the friends and family at the table, they don't need, even need to play that stuff and they could still beat you. That, yeah. like that's the you know that's that's our premise here so i'm glad that came across like anything that we can do to like synthesize communication and make sure yeah. our messaging is very clear and not overloaded um you know it's 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 very high on the totem pole of what happens when we talk about our kickstarter no it's cool now given that you had all these different ideas you're working on you must have another game coming right rarely do i <laughs> see game designers like yourself who are this passionate to just do one and walk away so sure. do you have anything else coming down the pipe or what's kind of your next venture after this yeah so i think you know it's going to depend on which one we pick so uh blue gear you know my the guys i work with mike and lynn they Thank have an guys, idea yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad. Thanks for having us again, James. I know we're, yeah, no we're in your show here, but I really enjoy it and I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I had uh, worked with them, you know, to develop this game. And this was, you know, my idea that I, I teamed up with them on for this game design, but they have an idea in the works. So I think we're going to see if we want to, you know, pick up that idea. I have some ideas that I have yet to show them. So I kind of work, work on them at the side. And, you know, partly is, you know, we're Dino Dodge right now. You know, as much as I sure. love creating, I make sure that I bucket that time yeah. and that I, I can breathe in it. But, you know, when we're on this, we're on this. So I have one, um, which is like a, uh, I don't know how, what you would want to call it. I can, I can give you the themes. I have one, it's like a, um, kind of like a superhero high school, but uh, none of the people at the high school have like real superheroes. It's like wannabe hero high. They all think they're <laughs> heroes. And uh, it's kind of like an auto battler. So um, I, you know, like I came from the video game world making those. And so I don't know if you ever played auto chess or hearth or hearthstone battlegrounds. These are some auto battlers um, in those world. And basically you kind of pick a series of, you know, heroes, they have stats and you want to combine and, uh, you know, buff them up and things like that. And then they auto battle each other, meaning they just randomly would attack somebody and then you would see the outcome of it. Yeah. So I really wanted to bring that to the board gaming world and, the, but bring the piece that that's more tactile and, um, and, and expose that and, and exploit it. So that way people could get the juice from it. So that's one that I have been working on most recently. 
Uh, and I think it's going to come down to that one or this other one uh, that I'm calling, you know, Project Stairway to Heaven, which is where you're uh, you're climbing a ladder to uh, to heaven. You play as um, a saint trying to become an archangel, and uh, and it's not quite worker placement, but it's resource management. Um, and there's a, a little bit of you know like player like you trying to foil other players, but it's mostly focusing on your player um, as you go, go through different acts. Um, and on your way to heaven. So that's uh, that's that premise of that one. So those are the two main ones, and I have some others, but so we're gonna see. Yeah. How do people follow this? This like you have like a channel that where you're talking about these games that people can kind of follow along and be part of the process, or how about so yeah. do that? Yeah, definitely. So um, uh, you, they can find me on Instagram at Ario underscore Creations. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's just my first name and then underscore Creations. Oh, um, I'm also I'm also on TikTok under that same uh, that same handle. And then um, they can uh, they can find me on Facebook as well uh, under just my my first name, and they can shoot me a message, and they can even ask me, and I'll I'll let them know what's going on. But also, uh, I'll be under the Blue Gear Games handles as well. Well, that's awesome. Well, Ariel, I mean, congrats again on this game. Uh, it is awesome to see when people can crush their goals like you did. And I know you're going to the back end hockey sticks, so it's just going to be an upswing from here. I know you guys are going to be really pleased where you land. Thanks so much for your time and all the best this coming year. Thanks, James. I really appreciate it. Take care. Cheers. Bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.